Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favors. Yeah. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Yeah. And take a seat in the pastor's office. Right. Right. The frequency, yeah. tune in. Get up, word. We're wearing Jonathan Mason. Oh, yes, you should. Take a minute, turn the radio up. And take a seat. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, it's Pastor Jonathan Mason, and I know I'm not the first, but at least let me get in line to say Happy New Year, Happy 2022. If the Lord has allowed you to see another year, we certainly ought to give him praise. You know what? Uh, my grandmama always used to say this. Everything may not be all right, but everything ain't all bad either. Uh, so we ought to be excited uh, that we've been able to see another year. Uh, I know we didn't get a chance necessarily to celebrate it the way we'd like to celebrate it or the way we've traditionally celebrated it. I mean, here uh, at my church, Northeast Baptist, we actually did watch night service at 6 o'clock. Uh, we wanted people to be able to get back in the house with these Omicron, uh, the Omicron variants spreading like crazy. Uh, we just wanted, didn't want to keep people out late. We wanted them to be able to get home. Uh, we didn't want them encountering a lot of traffic and, and uh, holiday hijinks, as it were. Uh, so, yes, we may not over the last couple of years have been able to celebrate the way we would like to. But here's the blessing in it. We've still been able to celebrate. We're still here. Uh, God has formed a hedge of protection around us, uh, and we're still able to be a part of his great creation, and we're thankful for that. So again, Philly's favorite listeners, happy new year from the pastor's office, and we're looking for wonderful things to happen in the year 2022. Got a question for you. Did you know that Philadelphia, our city, the city of brotherly love, prior to the pandemic, was the fourth highest city in the country as relates to eviction rates. Let, let me say that so it's clear. Uh, we are fourth. We were fourth in the nation prior to the pandemic uh, with the number of evictions we we have each year. Now, over the last two years with the pandemic with the activities or with the actions and legislation of city government and state government, a lot of evictions have subsided. Uh, Right now, today, uh, uh, evictions in the city of Philadelphia for 2021 uh, uh, look to be down to about 6,000 in the year 2021. That was a blessing because we were down from an all-time high in 2019. But evictions acutely affect senior citizens. Yeah, you believe grandmom's on a fixed income or granddad's on a fixed income, but but guess what? There are a lot of complications that come with being a senior living on a fixed income, living on retirement benefits, living on Social Security, 
Uh, do you know that if there's a complication with your Social Security, it could take months for you to get that money? Our seniors need to be cared for. Our seniors need to be protected. And and so today I I wanted to speak with uh, the director of tenant rights at the Senior Law Center. Uh, His name is Jacob Spadell. Uh, And I want to welcome him into the pastor's office to give us some information about uh, our senior uh, living situation here in Philadelphia and what he and his organization and the city council are doing to bring those numbers down significantly. So, Jacob Spadell, welcome into the pastor's office, sir. Thank you, and I'm very happy to be here. Well, Happy New Year to you. Let me say that. And and, and first of all, as I say Happy New Year, uh, as I shared in my intro, New Year celebrations have been different for the last couple of years, but, but at least did you have a good time being with family over this holiday season? Absolutely. We've been trying to be safe, but also be together. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. As I tell my congregation all the time, we need to be prayerful, but we also need to be careful. Uh, so listen, uh, Mr. Spidell, first of all, thank you for taking time to talk to us today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Senior Law Center? So Senior Law Center, we're a nonprofit organization that gives free legal help to people age 60 and older in Pennsylvania. So we give telephone advice all over the state. We also give direct representation here in Philadelphia and in some of the surrounding counties. Um, so we're one of the few nonprofit organizations that focus on helping seniors specifically. And uh, all our services are free. People can find out more about our organization at seniorlawcenter.org. And so one of the things that surprised me as I, I did my research is that there is uh, well, we've known a little bit about the housing crisis here in Philadelphia, but but seniors, as I said, are acutely affected by the housing crisis here, the eviction crisis here in the city of Philadelphia. I was surprised to find out uh, we were the fourth, we were number four in the nation as relates to evictions. Tell us a little bit about how seniors end up in a situation where they're facing eviction. I mean, they've lived all of their lives; they should be comfortable at, the, at this point in their life. Absolutely. So. Senior Law Center is part of a coalition in Philadelphia that's trying to address evictions. So we were part of the Philadelphia Eviction Prevention Project together with Community Legal Services, Legal Clinic for the Disabled, uh, Philadelphia VIP, um, Turn the Ten Union Representative Network, and Clarify, which gives financial counseling. And we all work together to try and address this eviction crisis. Senior Law Center, we focus on seniors, and we certainly see seniors who end up with evictions filed against them in court or landlords who are not um, making repairs or trying to make illegal evictions. So seniors end up facing evictions in a number of ways. Uh, One is they have landlords who are not making repairs. The tenant complains about their repairs. Maybe they start withholding rent or maybe they just complain or they call license inspection The landlord is angry. They retaliate and file some sort of eviction trying to get the tenant out. In Philadelphia, if you take a tenant to court, there are three reasons for eviction that you can give. The first is non-payment of rent. Pretty straightforward. The landlord says the tenant's not paying rent. They should be evicted. You can always beat an eviction for non-payment of rent by proving to the court that you've paid what you owe. Or if a court says that you owe money by paying that, um, Sometimes landlords are charging illegal fees. 
Um, but sometimes the tenants run into hard times financially. Maybe their Social Security is delayed. Maybe they've been working. Seniors do often work to support their families. Um, either they're not receiving Social Security yet or Social Security is not enough to pay all their bills and they may have lost a job during the pandemic, or they may rely, rely on support from family members who may have lost work, or they may have surprise emergencies like having to pay for your funeral or medical bills. So that's number one, evictions for non-payment of rent. The second possible reason for eviction is breach of lease. So if you have a lease, it says there are certain things that you're not allowed to do, and there are certain things you have to do. Um, and if you do something you're not allowed to do under your lease, or you don't do something you've agreed to do under your lease, the landlord can file an eviction saying you breached your lease somehow. Um, so a simple example is your lease says no dogs. You bring in a bunch of dogs, your landlord can file an eviction saying they want you evicted because you breached your lease. It can be a real problem for seniors if they have things in their lease that they don't know about or that they're not able to comply with because of uh, physical conditions or disability. Um, so an example would be a tenant where the landlord filed an eviction saying the tenant was violating the lease by not taking their trash out to the dumpster on the other side of the parking lot. The senior had some mobility impairments um, that they developed as they got older, and they couldn't haul their trash all the way over to the other side of the parking lot to the dumpster. Um, and so... Um, we worked with the tenant to address that problem and prevent eviction. Third possible reason for eviction is termination of term. So in Pennsylvania, a landlord is, if you have a year lease, the landlord is just allowed to say they don't want to renew your lease. They don't have to give a reason. As long as they give you appropriate notice before the end of the lease, the landlord can just say, I'm sorry, you pay your rent, you've done nothing wrong, but your year lease is up and I'm not going to be renewing it. If you don't move out, they can file an eviction based on termination of term. Now, it used to be that landlords could file an eviction based on termination of term against anybody by not renewing their lease. Philadelphia City Council saw there was a problem, especially for people with leases of less than a year. You have a month-to-month -month lease, suddenly you get notice the landlord's not renewing your lease. So Philadelphia uh, passed an ordinance that says that if you have a lease of less than a year, and that's typically a month-to-month -month lease, your landlord has to have good cause not to renew your lease. And they have to send you a written notice with that good cause reason. So they just can't not renew your lease for no reason. But if you have a year lease, the way the law is written now, the landlord is still allowed to just not renew your lease for no reason. And that certainly gives landlords cover for some sort of um, evictions for bad reasons. For example, tenant complains about repairs, Landlord knows it's illegal to evict for complaining about repairs, but they just say, I'm not renewing your lease mm. for no reason. And then it can be hard to prove what their motivation was. And there are landlords who just want to clear out their properties to sell them because property values are going up. Right, right. So the tenants who've been in their homes for decades, seniors on a fixed income, they've been paying their rent. They've done nothing wrong, but real estate values in their neighborhood have gone way up. Landlord sends notice to all the tenants in the property, I'm not renewing your leases, you all have to leave. And that can be a real challenge, especially for seniors where their social support is near where they live, their medical providers are near where they live, and now they're faced with having to move even though they've done nothing wrong. If they don't move, the landlord can file an eviction.
their, their, their social support, their medical providers, and watch this too, their church, uh, everything that's become central to them is right where they are. So, so when they encounter these issues, you know, many of them cannot afford an attorney uh, to help them. So they then come to uh, your organization. How do they find out about you? Um, well, people find out a lot of different ways. One good thing that the court does is when an eviction notice is mailed out to people, there's a document included that includes information about um, legal services that are available. So if you get paperwork saying you're being evicted, read all the paperwork. You know, it may be dozens of pages, but go through it and there's information about it. Um, the Philadelphia Eviction Prevention Project has a website, phillytenant.org, and that's P-H-I-L-L-Y-T-E-N-A-N-T dot O-R-G. I recommend all times go to that website, um, whether your landlord's trying to evict you or not. There's a lot of good information on there about tenant rights and dealing with common problems with landlords. It also has the phone number for the Philly Tenant Hotline. That's a centralized place where tenants can call to be connected to legal advice. Now, um, so they can call. Go ahead. Now, now, in August of 2020, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I know that the city council led by, and, and uh, it was a great initiative of Mayor Jim Kenney, uh, they started the eviction diversion program, uh, you know, which really helped seniors who had lost income to be able to uh, deal with uh, potential or pending evictions. So as you look at this situation of eviction, uh, you've clearly laid out the reasons and the reasons why seniors end up in this situation, but talk to us a little bit about how your organization can intervene uh, to help seniors stay in their apartment, stay in their place of living. So Senior Law Center, we, we represent seniors um, in court. So we had some seniors who just called us today who have eviction hearings scheduled for January 4th. And we'll be representing them on January 4th in court. Um, it's always better when we get people a little farther ahead of their court hearing. But that's one thing we do is people call us. They say, I have a court hearing coming up. And Senior Law Center represents them in court. Um, just like Legal Clinic for Disabled and Community Legal Services as part of the Philadelphia Addiction Prevention Project. Yeah, and I just saw that they extended this diversion program uh, into 2022, which is a great blessing. So now the attorneys that work for the law center, uh, are the, how are they compensated? Are they working pro bono? So Senior Law Center, we're a nonprofit. The attorneys who work for us work full-time for the nonprofit. They are compensated. So okay. they're not doing this pro bono. There are some private attorneys in Philadelphia who do great work pro bono. Um, many of them through Philadelphia VIP, which organizes volunteer attorneys. Um, but our work is primarily funded by Philadelphia City Council. So they contract with the various nonprofit organizations uh, that are part of the Philadelphia Eviction Prevention Project. Understood. Um, and they pay for representation of low-income tenants. Understood, understood. Well, listen, I, I really I really appreciate the work that you and your team are doing. Uh, you're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM and 99.5 
HD3. Uh, we are talking with Jacob Spadell of the Senior Law Center. Uh, we're talking about how seniors can get help uh, if they're facing eviction. And 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 listen, let's be real. Uh, there are a lot of seniors out there right now that are facing the eviction, uh, that have lost income during the pandemic, that have faced issues and challenges that they could not foresee throughout this pandemic. Well, the Senior Law Center was here before the pandemic. They're here now during the pandemic, and they'll be here after the pandemic. Uh, Mr. Spidell, again, thank you for the work you're doing. Do me a favor and just tell our listeners real quick, again, how how they can connect with the Senior Law Center if they're facing eviction and need your help. So the best way to reach Senior Law Center directly is by going to our website, seniorlawcenter.org, which has our phone numbers, or by calling our intake line at 215-988-1242. And tenants of all ages can go to phillytenant.org and call the Philly Tenant Hotline at 267-443-2500. If tenants of all ages can call that Philly Tenant Hotline, if they're seniors, they'll get directed to Senior Law Center, most likely. But if they're not seniors, they can be directed to other organizations like Community Legal Services or Legal Clinic for Disabled or to pro bono attorneys as appropriate. So it's a good centralized place to call so people don't have to figure out which organization they should be calling. So that Philly Tenant Hotline, again, is 267-443-2500. Mr. Jacob Spidell with the Senior Law Center, I want to thank you for coming into the pastor's office today and giving us such wonderful information. Again, I want to encourage our listeners, if you are dealing with eviction, uh, facing eviction, or if you know somebody that's facing eviction, take advantage of these resources Get help. There's help out there for you. Take advantage of it. And, and, and I promise you, I promise you, you'll find some willing professionals that are there to take on your case. Uh, sir, thank you for coming in the pastor's office today. Thank you again for inviting me to be here. And we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly Saver listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. And again, I want to wish you uh, a very happy new year. I pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 2022 will be the best year of your life. Uh, and, and I want to thank you for joining us today uh, here in the pastor's office, just the second day of the year. But I always tell my congregation this, I told them this this morning, before we know it, we'll be at Watch Night 2022. So again, I always encourage you, make the most of every day. Make every day count. And, and you know what? Stay on top because the bottom is no place for God's children. Listen, uh, I want to welcome into the pastor's office again one of our, our city council members who's doing a great deal for each and every one of us here in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, he represents the 2nd District. And what we're going to talk about uh, as he comes into the office today uh, is we're going to talk about the interconnectivity between gun violence and domestic violence. 529 deaths by gun in the city of Philadelphia in 2021. Of those 529 deaths, 60 of them were women uh, uh, linked to domestic violence. 2020, 40. So from 2020 to 2021, we've gone from 40 deaths 
of women linked to domestic violence to 60 deaths uh, linked to domestic violence. Uh, and, and, and as we look at all of the statistics, we don't see any lightning uh, of this issue going forward. Uh, Councilman Kenyatta Johnson uh, has, in the December 9th session of City Council, uh, was able to get a resolution passed where he's going to head up committee hearings. Uh, to deal with this very important issue. Listen, I can talk about it. You know, we talk about gun violence a lot here uh, on the show, but let me welcome in our council member. Councilman Johnson, welcome back to the pastor's office. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Thank you for having me on. And, you know, as we embark upon this new year, we just want to move the city of Philadelphia forward in a safe and productive manner. So thank you for having me on today. Now, now, now I first have to ask because... I know last year, uh, you know, we all talked about the fact that there would be a return to normalcy uh, of the way we celebrated holidays uh, in 2021. But unfortunately, we know that Omicron is running rampant in the city of Philadelphia and all across the country and the world. Uh, how were you able to spend the holidays with your family this year? Well, you know, as a pastor and me being a man of faith, it's not on man's time, it's on God's time. So when he sees fit, that we come out of this pandemic, we will. And so for me, I had an opportunity um, to spend time with my family, most importantly my wife, who just celebrated 10 years. And so we had a chance to do a little traveling, but most importantly spend time with our immediate family um, during this past Christmas holiday. We're going to do the same thing. Um, as we move forward into the new year. And so, um, you know, for me, it's just about making sure you're staying safe. Um, I've been vaccinated. I'm already boot. I got my booster shot as well. I'm going to make the most important. I'm going to start wearing my mask and be mindful when I'm around other individuals who are or aren't wearing their masks. We just have to be safe as a city and as a community. I tell my congregation all the time, and I tell our listeners here on Philly Fav Philly's Favorite, we've not only got to be prayerful, but we got to be careful. And it was interesting, as I looked at the statistics of the people that are still not vaccinated uh, in the city of Philadelphia, that are still not vaccinated. This has truly become a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Uh, and, and so we had a, a Commissioner Bettigall on last week, and we were talking about this issue. You know, Councilman, I know that you're in your district and across the city all of the time encouraging Philadelphians to go get that vaccination. Yeah, it's critically important. You know, I believe in the science. Most importantly, I believe in health and safety. And so, you know, I encourage all of, of, of my constituents, um, not only that I represent the second council by addition, but just people who live in the city of Philadelphia, to go get vaccinated, um, protect yourself, protect your family. I've seen countless individuals that I personally know who have fallen victim to COVID-19, who have also become severely ill and still have illness to this day because of COVID-19. And so we want people to be safe and take care of themselves. Go get vaccinated. Go get your booster shot. Wear your mask. And most importantly, protect not only yourself but others who are around you. Councilman Johnson, again, we, we thank you for being in the pastor's office. Now, in the December 9th session of City Council, uh, a resolution was passed that was uh, headed up by yourself uh, to really investigate the interconnectivity between domestic violence and gun violence. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what led you to really push this issue forward in the council? 
Yeah, absolutely, Pastor. We recognize that if we address the issue of uh, Simpson gun violence here in the city of Philadelphia, um, you know, the 550-plus individuals who lost their loved ones, um, the Simpson gun violence, that there was a particular area that we believe were being overlooked, and that's the area of women. Uh, we have seen a significant increase of um, young ladies being shot and murdered here in the city of Philadelphia. So we begin to look at like, what is the causal effect between gun violence and domestic violence? You know, I come from an era where, you know, women and children were, like, basically not even part of any equation uh, when it comes to the street life. And so now we can see countless young ladies um, being shot and murdered. And so we want to make sure as a city that we're doing everything and everything possible within our power to protect young ladies, protect them from individuals who are trying to hurt and harm them, protect them if they are in relationships that are unhealthy, which will result in them being shot in or murdered. And so we want to do a hearing to look at what is our strategy as a city to protect these young ladies when it comes to the of issue of gun violence. And also make sure they have the resources that are available so they can make smart choices and decisions when they are in a decent relationship and they may feel like there's no way out. And one thing we recognize, Pastor, over these last two years during this pandemic is that there has been an increase in domestic violence as a result of individuals being quarantined and on lockdown. And so I think it created another issue where people were interacting with one another, probably more than they ever have been, a lot of frustration because individuals are not having the opportunity to work. And another life challenge, but that should result in a young lady losing their life to substance gun violence. Unfortunately, you know, I've had the, the task of dealing with a, a lot of couples who have experienced domestic violence. And, and one of the things that I see quite often when, when I'm dealing with these counseling sessions, when I'm talking to uh, these individuals, is a lot of it is fueled by economics, uh, uh, poverty, frustration over poverty, frustration over the inability to move careers forward. Uh, 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 frustration, and, and let's be real, you know, so, so, some folk, you know, they, 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 they have this, this penchant of blaming uh, of the man or whomever uh, uh, for their lot in life. And then, you know, because they feel like they don't have power anyplace else, they end up taking it out on their, on their mate, on their spouse. You know, and one thing you said earlier is that within your power, uh, as a legislator, you want to make sure resources are available. You know, how do you, as a legislator, within your power, deal with those types of very sensitive issues in people's households? Well, first and foremost, when we talk about the issue of domestic violence, we know the Philadelphia Police Department has a domestic violence unit. There's also other organizations such as Women Against Abuse, Women Organized Against Rape. These are organizations that are on the front line trying to provide a level of counseling and support for individuals who are experiencing domestic violence. And so first and foremost is making sure that young ladies have the information, but also from a counseling standpoint, provide a level of support to the men. I work with organizations such as the Father's Day Rally Committee that specifically deal with fathers in their household, making sure that there's an open dialogue if a man is feeling a sense of pressure, that he may feel like going to pandemic because he can't work, 
that he may feel less of a man because he can't provide for his family, but that's not a reason why you should take out that frustration on your wife or your significant other. And so, you know, for me, it's making sure that information is available. Well, first and foremost, you know, when these type of incidents arise around domestic violence, that my key priority is making sure that the woman and the female partner is safe. Well, I appreciate that answer, Councilman. We really appreciate that. Let, let's talk a little bit about the hearings. They're going to start up in 2022. Why don't you forecast a little bit for us exactly what you expect to to accomplish with the hearings? We've talked a little bit about that, but exactly how they will run uh, and, and how our listeners can get more information about it. Yeah, so we're looking at, you know, during this year in 2022, um, the hostess hearings are probably around February or March as we move forward to make sure that we're having the key stakeholders at the table. And so we're talking about our court system, around the enforcement of individuals who are dealing with protective and abuse orders, and making sure that if that individual who is summoned with a protective and abuse order, if they own a gun, right? that they shouldn't be allowed to carry that gun because we've seen that in a significant amount of cases where the individual who was given a summoner of a protection from a beast order winds up using a gun, which is legally owned, to take the life or shoot um, their female partner. So that's one area that we're going to be examining at. Also working in partnership with um, the domestic violence unit in the Philadelphia Police Department from a make from an aspect of making sure we're doing significant outreach around this particular issue. But for me, most important is making sure that we're working with those boots-on-the-ground organizations, such as Women Against Abuse, Father's Day Rally Committee, Women Organized Against Trade. These are key organizations that are out there day in and day out trying to help families stay together, um, addressing issues of trauma within the family household in terms of relationships. And so a hearing will give us an opportunity to have individuals from the grassroots level, and also professionals as well to come up with strategies and solutions on how we can address this issue. And hopefully with the strategies and solutions moving forward, we can find a, a better way to support those who are impacted by domestic violence. So that's the game plan. And as we move forward, I can keep you abreast on the status of everything. Yeah, we're going to look to follow up with you on that because it's so important. And, and, and as an overall picture of gun violence in the city. And, and Councilman Johnson, I know you've been highly engaged uh, in trying to get guns off of the street. Uh, I know you've done a number of buybacks, a uh, number of uh, gun buyback programs with various organizations uh, within your district. Uh, you know, 2022, I, my prayer is that it can't get any worse than it was this year. We were at all-time highs this year. Uh, and I know that you as a city council member and the council and the mayor and the Police Commissioner are focused on this issue. Uh, before we depart today, just talk to us a little bit. Uh, do you see any other legislation being enacted this year through the council? Any other support coming out to grassroots organizations this year through the council that can help us meet people where they are uh, and get these guns off the street and, and then help to change mentalities? Yes, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, you know, in this year, 2022, there's no way possible that we should surpass 550-plus homicides here in Philadelphia. So we must work diligently together, working collaboratively and partnerships to make sure that we will not 
to pass 500 homicides here in the city of Philadelphia during 2022. And so, one, we want to make sure during the upcoming budget process that we want to increase our efforts to support boots on the ground, grassroots, violence prevention organizations. We were able to, in the last budget, allocate $155 million towards programs that focuses on violence prevention. But most importantly, we just, we just recently doled out $22 million to what we call boots on the ground organizations that are doing this work day in and day out. But that's just the beginning of the process, and so we want to make sure that we increase those efforts um, during this upcoming budget process because we know that we didn't get here overnight. It's going to take a period of time for us to reduce this level of gun violence, and that's only going to take place with resources. And as you said, Pastor, meeting people where they're at. Uh, we also had a witness protection task force um, that consists of Councilman Curtis Jones, Councilman David Owen, myself, to make sure that when witnesses do come forward with information to help solve a homicide, to help solve a shooting, that they feel protected, and most importantly, the information they do provide doesn't go anywhere besides who it's supposed to go to. And so uh, we have that task force that's taking place because we do have to recognize that in order for homicide to solve a homicide, when I say homicide, meaning a homicide unit in the police department, they have to have information. So we, I always encourage people, when you see something, you have to say something. But they only want to say something they feel safe and protected. Um, I also introduced legislation to host a hearing around mental health. The, recent, the Surgeon General just recently provided an advisory that talked about mental health amongst young people is a rising issue. And so we want to look at the interconnectedness between mental health and gun violence. Hopefully we can get to the root cause of why young people pull a trigger in the first place. And last but not least, we will be opening the Office of Victims Advocate. Um, and, and that office is an office I'm very proud to have created uh, through legislation introduced in city council. And this office will serve as a hub and an advocacy unit for loved ones who have lost loved ones to gun violence. And so we want to make sure that if you're a mother, a father, brother, sister, our uncle, grandma, and grandpa, and you've lost a loved one to gun violence, or have been shot and murdered, that you can come to this particular office for support um, to connect with other victim advocacy organizations around the city of Philadelphia to make sure that you're receiving the proper services from the Philadelphia Homicide Unit as well as our district attorney's office as well as the courts. And so very, very proud of this particular office that will be opening because it took a lot of hard work and dedication and working collaboratively under the Special Committee on Gun Violence with families that have lost loved ones of gun violence. And so this is what they asked for, and we were able to accomplish it and deliver it. So they can have a voice at the table when it comes to gun violence. So we have a lot of work to do um, past the end of this Philadelphia, but the only way it's going to get done is if we're working together hand-in-hand, um, hand. and that means the community, government officials working hand-in-hand with a partnership to reduce this issue of citizens' gun violence. Councilman Kenyatta Johnson, I just want to thank you for coming into the pastor's office today yet again. Uh, you are always available to us when we want to discuss the issues, and we appreciate that. Thank you for working on the issues that are impacting the lives of, of, of the Philadelphians that 
uh, uh, count on our leadership uh, to help us live better and more productive lives here in the city. Sir, if you ever need this platform, you know we're right here for you. Uh, we wish you all the best. Most importantly, we're praying for you, and a happy 2022 to you. Thank you very much, and God bless you. You keep up the good work going through 2022. Mason.